Good morning, Anchor Church. Hey, by the way, I, I reminded myself that the next time I was able to appear and have a microphone, I want to say thank you for your patience in getting up that driveway every Sunday morning. Because I know it can be a, a little bit of a little patience involved. How many people are stuck in the traffic this morning? Because it's that traffic. And then you're stuck in the traffic getting off the campus. We are blessed to have this amazing place, but I was like one way in and one way out. So just want to say thank you. Hey, I want to, before I get my message going this morning, I want to let you know about one date that I want you to kind of remember in the back of your head that I'd love you to be a part of. And that's on July 20th. What day? Because that is serve day. It's a day that we partner with thousands of churches across the United States to go into our community and serve them. So here's what we'd like to do. If you're a part of a connect group, we'd love you to start talking about how that connect group could look for a need in our community and fill it. Just for a few hours. You might be a family. Do it by yourself or grab a couple other people. You might go in and cut somebody's yard, make somebody a meal, go in to pray for somebody. You might go to a park and clean it to the beach and clean it. You might, whatever, I don't even put a lot of things out there because God will speak to you. But it's a time for us to not come on the hill, but to go into our community. So that is when? July 20th. Okay, great. Good to have you with you. I am Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here, one of the guys that have been around here a long time and love this message I'm about to give. We're in the, we're continuing our series in about the story of the life of Elijah. An amazing thing. You know, when we study the Bible and we give our messages, we talk about these folks that are in the, in the Bible. It's God saying, I want my people now here we are sitting in this room today in this, in this generation. I want this generation to know what happened to the previous generation and I want you to learn from them. I want you to learn from their experiences and what they went through so that, because we're all on the same journey. Just like Elijah, our call, we have a call in our life and God would want us to, to bring it out. And as I've been studying Elijah for the last couple of weeks, I realized, man, this is a very intriguing guy, a powerful guy, an influential guy. And really to me, Elijah kind of flies under the radar. Because, you know, there's those superstars we always talk about, David, Moses, Abraham, Daniel. They're, they're, they always get press time. But we rarely talk about Elijah. But Elijah was an amazing guy. In fact, I, I named my son Paul, and I, I'm glad I did, and I felt that was a call in his life. But if I had a do-over, I'd have called him Elijah. I love that name. It's a beautiful name. Because you know why it's beautiful? It means something. Elijah in Hebrew means my Lord, my God is my Lord. Or in, in the true definition in, in Hebrews, it means Yahweh is God. It really describes him. It, tell, you know, it just kind of says, this is who I am. And if you were here with us last week, you know that Elijah had a call in his life to confront the king and to bring revival to Israel. But God knew that Elijah wasn't ready and we talked about last week, and by the way, that message is online. You can go online and listen to that message, but it was a time of preparation. And for all of us, can I just give a word to all of us? There's going to be things that God wants us to do, and he's preparing the way for that to happen, like he did in Elijah's life. And Elijah had to go through a bunch of, some definitely turmoil, but also see the hand of God in his life. But you see, Elijah was just an ordinary guy, just like you and me. At times, he was bold and decisive, and other times, he was fearful and timid. Anybody relate to that? I mean, 
There was times when Elijah saw the power of God so, and we're going to talk about it today, so miraculous. You think, how could you ever have doubt? And yet, he did. In fact, he fell into depression over time. We all do that. That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, it's important to know that the people we read in the Bible who God would want us to be meant to mentor us from afar are just ordinary people. And so we get in the message today. I want you to know that God, listen to what the message is, and God wants to speak to you, each one of you, in an individual and personal way. So as we get into it, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, not everybody opens their Bible this morning. Probably none of you will, because we don't carry Bibles to church anymore. But how many have the Anchor Church app? Anybody got the Anchor Church app? How many people got the Anchor Church app? Awesome. Every week I get asked, how do I, come on, buddy. I know you can do this. Come on, phone. So if you go to your anchor, because everybody asks me, well, you talk about notes. Where are the notes? I can never find the notes. Simple. Go to the app, and at the menu on the bottom of that, on the, on the app, go to the menu on the bottom, and it says connect. Hit connect, and what will come up is weekend services. Hit weekend services, and you'll see sermon notes. And anywhere it's green, just tap on that, and your keyboard will come up. You can take all the notes you want. Because I know, taking notes, by the way, just for the record, 80% of what I say today, by the time you turn left on Paul Keller, gone. History. So I think if God speaks to you, and the reason we give notes and we want you to take notes, because just it's not what I say, it's what God says to you. Are you ready for that this morning? First Kings chapter 18, I've entitled my message, Unwavering Worship. Let me read to you what I... I kind of worked on a, a, on a definition of, what, of worship. See, see what you think. Worship is anything and anyone or anyone. You and I put our time, our energy, our attention, our affection, and our adoration to. Let me say it again. Worship is anything or anyone that you and I give our time and our energy, our attention, our affection, and our adoration to. And I was telling my connect group, uh, this week, hey, what do you think about my definition? They loved it. And the one guy goes, looks like I worship my phone. On your definition, I give it a lot of time and a lot of attention. Okay, just for the record, statistically speaking, the average person, how many hours a day do you think on, your, on a mobile device, on a media device, not your... Work computer where you're doing work, word processing, you're doing spreadsheets, you're tuning emails. That's what I'm not talking about. I'm talking about media. How many? Ten? Eight? How many? Nine? Okay, so these guys are right. We, on the average person, spends nine to ten, maybe up to 11 hours a day on a media device. Okay, just for the record, who on Friday... Downloaded Harry Potter Go. How many did that? Like, I know you want to raise your hand, but like, you're not. Like, Pokemon Go. Who, who, who checks out Pokemon Go? Who, who travels around trying to collect those? Come on, I know you do. Don't pretend you don't. When you leave church today, there's going to be a group of cars at the bottom of our parking lot. Guess what they're doing? Collecting Pokemon because this is one of the hot spots. And at first, I literally said this. I said this to one of my friends. Man, they got to get a life. 
And he, and, and, and my friend rebuked me, and, and rightfully so, because I am a big time LA Dodger baseball fan. Big, I mean, not, not little time, big time. Like today, I will be on my phone at 10.10. I'll be preaching. The second I get off the stage, I'm going to go, what's the score? I literally watched the game on my phone. So I was, and he rebuked me. He goes, what are you rebuking them for? You spend all that time on your phone. We all do it. We worship our phones. And God would say to us today, that's not the place I your time and your attention and your affection to. The word clearly says, clearly. It's not confusing. The 10 commandments, not the 10 suggestions, not the 10, I'll get around to it someday. 10 commandments. What is the number one commandment? Anyone yell out that to me? Number one commandment is? Have no other gods before me. God says number one. He didn't put number one because he just, the, the list was kind of, I just didn't know where to put it. Number one is number one for a reason. Put no other gods before me. They asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important thing I need to know about God? God says, easy. Above all else, he says. Above all else. Like, that must be important. Above all else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Above all else. And God knew that. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, we've read that verse many times. We've preached that verse. You've read it. It, said, it might say it in different ways in your, in your reading. But why do you think God completely always repeats that? Always wants us to hear that. Because he knew when we came to know God, we accepted Jesus in our heart, Satan would instantly work overtime to turn your heart away from God and to put distractions in your life that would cause you to spend more time there and not with God. Are you hearing me? I mean, if you've read the whole Old Testament, it's over and over talks about how the people of God saw the amazing power of God in their life and yet so quickly turned away. In my connect group this week, and I'm going to kind of digress a second because I want if this guy's had a thought about it, possibly you might. He asked me, why do we need to read the Old Testament? Isn't the New Testament kind of supersede the Old Testament? And what's the deal with prophets? Anyhow, tell me about that. I'm not sure what that they do. So quickly, let me say this, if you're in that camp. The Old, New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It pointed to Jesus. It pointed to Messiah. It pointed to eternity all the way through the Bible. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of that. And just pure size. If words matter and God inspired the word. Two-thirds of this Bible is the Old Testament. So clearly, God would want us to learn from the lives of the people in this book. And he asked me about prophets. A prophet... And in fact, the last 17 books of the Old Testament are about prophecies and the prophets. Both, they call major and minor prophets. The only reason there's a major and a minor prophet is the book of the major ones are much longer than the minor ones. All equally important. Are you hearing me? A prophet is a messenger from God who tells the people or a person or a group of people 
what his intentions are for them. It's up to us, actually, to do it. But God, on this church, about two years ago, uh, David McCracken, Pastor David McCracken from, uh, I think he's from New Zealand, came in here and he gave a word for this church that is super powerful. And we live that prophecy today. In my own life, people have prayed, prophets, prophets have prayed over me and the words are so incredible. I, I don't have time because I'm already going to run over my time today. But if I told you the prophecies in my life, you would go, whoa. And they have come to fruition. A, a, a prophet is not a fortune teller. It's not somebody just reading the tea leaves of the future and speaking it out. A prophet has the faith to say things that don't even make sense to them, to other people. Are you hearing me? And that's who the prophet Elijah was. You see, if Satan was trying to turn everybody's back away from God, in Elijah's time, that's exactly what happens. And his assignment, Elijah's assignment, what he was prepared for was to go and confront the king and his crazy, ooh, I almost said a bad word, wife. Some of you got that. Others will kind of, gone. And Elijah's job was though to confront them because, because King Ahab and his wife Jezebel Turned, were trying and worked hard to get them to worship the god of the false god of Baal and Asheroth. In fact, the king and his wife built temples and altars and employed and pro, employed prophets of their own to go out and make people worship these false gods. In fact, the false gods were promised that would, if they prayed to these false gods, their crops would grow and they would have an amazing life. Because if you remember from last week, Pastor Carl talked about the, the economy back then was all built on agriculture. And the sun god, the Baal was called the god of nature, the god of the sun or god of fire. And Asheroth was a god, the goddess of fertility. And Ahab and his wife turned all the people of Israel these are God's chosen people. He, they, he turned their hearts away from God and out of them. Do you think that could happen today? It does. The enemy's working overtime to make sure that our hearts... See, God, here's what God... God wants you to experience his presence in your life every minute of every day. Let me say that again. God's desire for every one of us is that we would experience his presence in our life every moment of every day. So as we get to the story of Ahab here, I want to I tell you that uh, of Elijah. It says this, uh, the king, Elijah was responsible for confronting the king, and today in what we're reading is that moment. How many know anyone confronting a king that might not have a good outcome? Because the king, you know, I don't like what you said, off with your head, dude. So Elijah was looking for a way to confront the king about allowing, about making the people of Israel turn away from God into Baal. And what happened was God caused an amazing drought, a catastrophic famine, because how many know that you can't grow your crops without rain? And Ahab blamed Elijah for that. So Ahab wanted to confront Elijah, and Elijah wanted to confront Ahab. And how many know, 
Here's how I picture it in my mind, because here's the confrontation. Ahab's walking down the street, the road, the dirt road, and Elijah's walking there. How many know God causes those things to happen all the time? Out of the blue, all of a sudden, bang. How did that happen? Well, here in this story, the two had their moment. And if you're in 1 Kings 18 and verse 17, it says this. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so it's really you, Elijah, you troublemaker of Israel. Just for the record, if you look up in the Hebrew on the word troublemaker, it means at the very minimum snake. You snake. Some theologians think that whatever the cuss words of the Hebrew day were, Ahab used that word. Is the meaning as you could say it. You troublemaker of Israel, why are you doing this? And Elijah says, comes back, says, I have made no trouble for Israel. For you have refused to obey the Lord's command and you have worshiped the images of Baal instead. So it's a clear rebuke. Now, I'm pretty sure no one in this room is worshiping Baal right now. Pretty, pretty confident of that. But if Elijah was here right now speaking to us in 2019 at Anchor Church, here's what he would say. Don't allow yourself to be just so distracted that you put other things ahead of God. And just for the record, we all do. All of us do. I sure have. In your notes, if you're taking notes under, is this worth your worship? I put four blank lines. I'm going to tell you the things that I've struggled with and some of the things that you struggle with, but there might be things that you know that's in your heart. I want you to write that down and declare that to God today. And by the way, just, just for the record why I'm thinking about it, there's communion set up around the room. So when Pastor Trevor comes up and the worship team, and there's worship at the end of the service, and God was doing something in your heart today, and you feel led to take communion, and communion is really an outward sign of what God was doing today in your heart. You say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust you. There's communion available to you because I believe God's speaking to you. So if God's speaking to you, write that down. Declare it to God. I'm not going to do that today. Here's some of the things that really bother me, really get me. And I know it, some of it might be you. Money. We worship money. In our culture today, it says that if you have enough, accumulate enough, it'll give you the security and happiness you'll ever need. How many know that's not true? You can accumulate all the money and wealth and retire as good as you can. And a doctor tells you, hey, you got three weeks to live. How much of that money is going to matter to you then? It didn't bring you security. It surely wouldn't bring you happiness. But in my life, about 15 years ago, I really had this dream of retiring early. I have a twin brother. And him and I were talking about it. He actually did retire at 60. Good for him. I am so glad I didn't retire, though, because I love my job. I'll be here a long time. But here, I went, back 15 years ago, I was trying to accumulate one heck of a lot of money. So I would wake up in the morning with a full intent of worshiping God, getting in the word. But first, I'd get my coffee. And maybe first, instead of doing that, which would have been the right worshipful thing to do, I would turn CNBC on, open up my laptop, and get immersed. In tr and I was right back then, 15 years ago, I was selling and trading stocks and futures, trying to, win my, to make my fortune. And then I was, I, every 
One of my closest friends on the planet is Pastor Mike Kai from Inspired Church. He used to be our youth pastor here. And we walk the beach every Thursday when we're in town. And we walk one way, talk about life and what's going on. And we turn around and we pray back what we talked about. And one Thursday, a bunch of years ago, many, many, 15 years ago, easy, he confronted me big time. Rob, for the last four weeks, you've only talked about how well you're doing the stock market. What is God doing in your life? And I want you to know, walking up Kailua Beach, I was convicted to think, oh my gosh, I was worshiping my retirement account. I was putting time and effort and attention and with the best of intentions, I was truly planning on getting up, taking a shower, reading the word before I went to work. How many times do you know that didn't happen? Oh, look what happened to the time. Oh, I got to get to work. You see, we can't worship money. There's nothing wrong with money. It just can't own you. Do you understand? It, the word says the, the root of all evil is money. It, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's bad when it controls you and takes you away from God. Are you hearing me? Secondly, how about relationships? Now, as amazing as our kids are and our spouses and our friends, we can put so much attention into them and not have time for God. And, and the reason I put that in there, because this week, last Monday, I, was, I had a coffee meeting at, at uh, Morning Brew, and somebody that I hadn't seen in a very long time who came here, very long time, and I greeted him. I go, wow, good to see you. How are you doing? What's going on? You know, where are you going to church these days? Oh, yeah, I can't. I, I just, I don't have time for God right now. My kids have gotten all my attention. They've gotten all these sports. I have no time for God. Man, that just hit me hard. But guess what? Sometimes it can happen. Where we put God in the back burner of our life and put other things ahead. How about your career? That's, my wife rebukes me all the time about this. My wife will always say, you work for God, but you don't worship God. You work for God, but as you're, are you spending any time with him? Because I can get really immersed in what I've got to do around here and all that. And all of a sudden, that's even though I'm serving God, am I worshiping God? Or how about your career? Are you trying to climb the ladder, get to the next rank? Whatever that is in your life, is that dominating your thinking and that's all you can think about and God's on the back burner? God say, no, no, no. Let me be there. How about your hobbies? How about your hobbies? Your social media. How much time do we spend there? I talked about that at the beginning. How much time we spend there? I mean, I'm a golfer. I love to golf. I golf every Friday. There was a time in my life I do not practice anymore. The only time I ever see my golf clubs is on Friday morning. Other than that, they go away. But there was a time when I was practicing two or three times a week regularly with small children. No bueno. But guess what I got into doing? Worshiping golf. Maybe you surf. Maybe checking the surf report in the morning and figuring out what break you're playing, you're gonna you're gonna surf that day, and that's all I gotta, I gotta get through this job. I gotta get through my day, then I gotta sneak out of here and get in that water. As good as that is, if that's all you're thinking about, reading the surf magazine at the end of the day, no bueno, right? But there might what's what's happening in your life? Let me ask you a question straight up. What is it in your life that has your time and attention and affection and adoration right now more than God. Maybe it's a hobby. I mean, excuse me, maybe it's an addiction. I'm not sure what it is, but think that through. Elijah had that same thought in mind as we pick up the story in Elijah. Elijah told, asked the king, 
in that conversation we just read, hey, I want to talk to the people of Israel. I want to find out what's taking their attention and why are they worshiping Baal and not me? He literally asked a, the, the similar question that I just asked you. Check this out. In verse 20 of chapter 18, it says this. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mark Carmel. When Elijah stood in front of them, he said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? For if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. God's saying, Elijah's saying, if God, if the Lord is Lord, follow him with all your heart. He's saying, pick a team, pick a side and follow him. Now, I just talked about money and relationships and hobbies and addictions, and all those things that take us and distract us from a strong walk with God. But I want to go a little deeper this morning because if Elijah was here, what would he say to us? Quit wavering. Quit wavering. And I was thinking, what causes us to waver in our faith? Let me throw a couple things out at you. First, I believe doubt. Here's something that everyone, we, we have all, all of us have something in common. This morning, for sure. One thing we have in common is we all have doubt from time to time. And doubt is not sin. In fact, God, I believe for sure, when we have doubt and work through those doubts, we, God shows himself even more power to us. So our faith, through those doubts, our faith becomes stronger. Are you hearing me? Can be. There's a couple people in the Bible, one person for sure, his name was Thomas, but what was his nickname? Doubting, Doubting Thomas. Let me read a couple of verses for you. In Mark, in Mark 9, it says this. Love this verse. In Mark 9, I'll set, let me context. A father's son was really sick. And the father went to Jesus, heal my son, please. I know you can. And Jesus says, as long as you believe and have faith, that's what he says. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. The enemy's always going to throw things at us. Always. And we have to work through that. Here's what it says in James 1.5. It says, if, if you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith in his God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalties is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in all they do. Doubt is not bad, as long as it doesn't take root, and then all of a sudden allows us to start thinking, oh, they're there must not be a God. How could that possibly? Why did that happen to that person? If, there was a, if that happened to that person, there couldn't be a God. Anybody ever thought that before? Yes, you have. And God would say, don't have doubt. Secondly, I think it's important that our need for control. So if everybody in this room have a common denominator, and that's doubt. Another one we all have is the vast majority of this room, if not every one of us, is we need control. Some of us would be glad to raise our hands because, yeah, that describes me. Others will not. But I want you to know everybody in this room desires control of their life. Why not? It's your life. 
I want, here's how we live life. It doesn't, it's, it's not a sign anywhere. It's just the way we look at life. I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. And don't tell me no. Anybody relate to that? Heck yeah, we do. Let me use this example. See, as we're flying through life, needing control of our life, making our own decisions the way we want to make them, we allow God to be in the back seat of our life. He's in the back seat. And we got our hands so tight to the steering wheel of our life, our, white, our knuckles are white. And we don't allow anybody to tell us anything unless we want to hear it. That's where we want to go. That's the reality. And God would say to us, God's saying to us through the word, he says, I don't want to be in the back seat. Because when he's in the back seat, we basically say to God, God, I'll let you know when I need you. Hang in there. Don't bother me. Or we get up in the morning and this is how we do. Lord, I got, I got to speak to you. I got about 30 seconds. Let me tell you everything I need today. Okay. Are you here listening? Good. And we rip off our list and we're out the door. We've made no time to spend with God whatsoever. We had not even a time to spend to see what he had to say back because we are driving our life. Are you hearing me? God doesn't want to be in the back seat. He actually wants to drive our life. He wants to be at the driver's seat. He wants us to be in the passenger seat so that we do this together. The word says that he wants to give us wisdom and revelation. He wants to give us wisdom and understanding. Wisdom, hear me, is God's perspective on any situation or issue or question we have. He wants, we just read it. If you want wisdom, just ask your generous father and he'll be glad to give it to you. But when you ask, be ready to listen. And the word says he gave us wisdom and understanding. The word understanding means that we would hear him and the understanding is that we would do it. God says, I want to, have, I want to, I want to guide you through every aspect of your life. I want to be right next to you in the high points and the low points and everywhere in between. I want to be there. Let me drive. Just for the record, if it was up to me, I'd have drove my life in the ditch a long time ago. But because of God's grace in my life, I have not. Are you hearing me? And lastly, what makes us drift away is worrying about what other people think about me or whatever other people's opinions. We live in a time when the news is on 24-7. Your Instagram account, your Facebook account, your Twitter account is on 24-7. You're watching TV. You're, you're really enamored by a, a celebrity. And all of a sudden, they say something about there is no God. And all of a sudden, you go, bam. Yeah, I don't think there is either now. Because they said it. People influence you from afar. And, they, and it allows you to waver in your faith. And God would say, don't let anyone know. You know, here's what he's saying. Draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand and say, God, I am all yours. My heart, my soul, my body, I'm all yours. Draw, no one can never say anything about it. I am yours. I read those prayer and praise reports every week. On Thursdays, I go to a place on this campus so that I'm all by myself. I don't have my phone. I have no, I'm just me and God. And I pray for every single one of those prayer requests by name, if you put your name. And I also praise God with you. And I, two weeks ago, I read this amazing praise report. 
and I asked for permission to use it. And this is what she said. She's an influencer. She's, she's online. If you don't know what an influencer is, they're online and they get paid by different companies to influence others to buy the products that they're influencing. Are you with me on that? Here's what she says. A few weeks ago, I decided to push past my fear and doubt and worry about what other people think about me and put God on my social media bio. Worried though, my fans and clients would, re, would, would, would think poorly of me and choose to leave my account. But I pushed through that and God blessed me today with a new company, a top company as an influencer. I prayed and this is what happened. I couldn't believe God answered my prayer. But here's the most amazing part, she says. The amazing part is that she, this is a Christian company and the reason I got the job is because of putting God on my bio. And now she says, now I have fans and companies praying, asking me to pray for them. Isn't that amazing? Here's what happened. She said, she stopped saying, you know what? I'm going to tell the world. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm putting it on the line. I am a follower of God and I am going to worship him with my life. And guess what happened? She got blessed. Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be blessed beyond your wildest imagination. God, in, in the life of Elijah, Elijah was so frustrated with everybody worshiping the false God. He said, God, I want you to show yourself so powerfully, so miraculously that they literally fall on their knees on the ground and worship you again. How many believe in miracles in this room? Miracles are for today. In fact, God wants to do things in your life today. He wants you to recognize the power of God's working through you. But sometimes we blow it off as coincidence or no, that couldn't happen. God's doing miracles and you don't even know it. He did it in Elijah's life. The most amazing miracles in the Bible. I'm going to read it for you. It's kind of a long dis- uh, discourse, discourse, but it's an amazing story. Check this out. Let me give you a little background. So Elijah's fed up, told the King Ahab in that same conversation we've been reading about, I've had it. I want you to call everybody together. I want you to bring your 450 prophets of Baal. Those are the people he employed that he would, they would go out and evangelize the world of Israel for Baal. I want you to bring them all here and we're going to have a good old fashioned showdown today. In fact, we're going to get two bulls and we're going to put them on two altars, but we're not lighting that wood Either your God or my God will. That's where we pick up the story. It says this in verse 25. It says, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first because there are so many of you and choose one of the bulls, prepare it and call the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they prepared the one bull and placed it on the altar. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no kind of reply. Then they upped the ante. Then they started dancing around the altar. That made no difference. By after, about, about noontime, this is awesome. About noontime, Elijah began to mock them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he's uh, daydreaming, or maybe he's relieving himself. I thought that was funny. I mean... Uh, guys in this room, if, if you ever played ball, you, like, you can really, 
really get into somebody's face. We, we kind of banter back and forth, giving each other. That's, that's what he's doing right now, Elijah's doing. Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip or he's falling asleep and you need to wake him up. They shouted even longer and then they did their, whatever they did back then and still no response. And verse 30, it says, then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him and they repaired the altar. And it says this, he goes down and says, hey, I want you to get four jugs of water and I want you to pull it, pour it over the sacrifice and the wood. And not just do it once, I want you to do it three times. Three times. Then in verse 36, it says, as usual, the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet woke, walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all of this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that the people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought us back to yourself. Immediately, a fire from the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stone, and everything there. And the people fell on their knees and worshiped God. Isn't that an amazing miracle? God wants to do the same thing for you. He does. Are you hearing me? There's been a couple miracles in my life that I live on. Many, many, but I'm going to tell you two. First is my marriage. Bunch of years ago now, 40 years ago or so, we are going to get divorced. Straight up going to get divorced. We didn't want to be near each other. We were around each other. We had a baby that was six months old. Nothing to do with each other. We were done. Some things that happened in our marriage and it was hard for me to forgive. And a friend of ours invited us to dinner and they took us to what had no idea where I was going. They took us to a harvest crusade. I grew up in the Catholic church. Never heard of a harvest crusade when I was going to church. You know what harvest crusade is? Somebody, pre somebody preaches and then Thousands of people get saved. That's what happened to me. As soon as he was done preaching, I ran forward. I go, whatever you want me, I would do it. I want what you're talking about. I want Jesus in my heart. I ran to the front of this room. And then before I blinked, I felt my wife's hand in my hand in the front. I did not go up there with her. I just, it was just like impulse on my part. I almost ran half the people over getting there. I figured the first one there must win. I thought I was going to win. I literally holding, she holds my hand. Hear me. I was, my heel, my marriage was instantly healed at that very second. Something happened in me. Something happened in me and in my wife and we could feel it, tangibly feel it. Fire from heaven came down and touched my marriage. And I looked down, I have an amazing family. I've showed the picture many times. I'm blessed by my, my family. But I don't look at that family as, oh, look at what Rob and Deb did. I only look at it as, Lord, you are amazing. Are you hearing me? In the life of this church, one of my jobs was uh, when I after came to work here, I had a construction background. So my responsibility was to get us on this campus, to get us up here. We had leased these 11 acres from the Father of the Sacred Heart, and we leased a mountain, like a mountain, straight up mountain with a forest on it. Are you hearing me? And for us to build on this property, we needed to remove from this property thousands of truckloads of dirt. Like, show that picture, would you? Okay, show the next one. Now you get a feel for it, right? There's no church there. See the fence right behind it? 
See that fence? Can you see that fence there? Right on the other side of that fence, they're just building the freeway up there. The freeway is not built yet. They're building it. And that freeway, there's a road right on the other side of that fence where the, where the trucks from the freeway went. So I just want you to have that in context. So we had to move thousands of truckloads of dirt off this property. So we were out looking for a valley, a you know, big old valley in the mountains up here that we could buy and put all that dirt there. And that's what we were doing. We were trying for months. What are we going to do with all this dirt? And then one day my phone rings. The, the phone call goes like this. So I understand you guys have a lot of dirt. I go, yes, I do. I want all of it. Like a couple of buckets worth, a pickup truck worth. Because like I have thousands of semi truck of dirt and I need to move off. He goes, I understand. I'll take it all. Okay, wait. So I sit down at my desk and I go, okay, wait, time, 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 time. I need you to repeat that really slowly. I want all your dirt. Oh my gosh. I fell on my knees right there. You do not know the, the miraculous move of God to allow us to get, and here's what he said, and I'll pay to get it to the Bayview Golf Course. That's when they're building a Bayview Golf Course. Holy Toledo. Great miracle. Problem, one problem. Got a problem. The Mayor Fossey back there, see the driveway you drove up, drove up here tonight, this morning? That wasn't even close to being there. The given way to the property was through the neighborhood, make a ride up uh, one of the stride streets, and then it came onto our property. Mayor Fossey back then, some of you are old enough to know him, said, yeah, you can do anything you want up there, but you just can't drive through the streets of that community with those big trucks. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was devastated driving home. But I knew of that road. I knew of that maintenance road. So I go over to the Department of Transportation downtown, get a meeting going, and I say, hey, uh, talk to, I talked to the, de de the main dude, but I talked to one of his deputies, had a meeting in his fancy office, walk in there, shake his hand, ask him, hey, uh, is there any way that you would allow us to use the maintenance road to move our dirt to Bayview Golf Course? He stood up from the desk immediately, 10 seconds in the conversation, shook my hand, says, thanks for coming. No. And walked out of the room, and I'm standing in his office by myself going, what just happened? He said no, walked out. I was getting devastated. I'm driving back. I was driving up Cahiba Street by, um, by City Mill. This doesn't happen very often in my life, but the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, I need you to go to the guy that controls that maintenance road, which there was a guard, there was like a guard shack where you had to sign your license number and the thing would go up and you could go on the maintenance road. He told me, go talk to him. And I'm going, I just talked to the DOT. It was like, no. But with all the fear and doubt could possibly pulsing through my blood and it was going through, going, my mind was going crazy. I literally jumped over that fence that you see right there and walked down to the guard gate. Heart pounding. I get there. Sir, can I, can I talk to you for a moment? It's three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Bayview Golf Course said, I need the dirt to start moving on Monday if I'm going to take your dirt. Friday afternoon, three o'clock. The guy goes, oh, you're from the church. Yes, I am. Because I was expecting you. And I told him what I needed. He goes, let's do it. We'll give you 10 days. Make sure there's no accidents, nothing like that. And then we'll figure it out from there. But you're 10 days probation and we can start on Monday at nine o'clock. Isn't that amazing? God moved in the life of this church right then. 
He sent fire down from heaven and take care of that situation. He will in your life. He wants to in your life. Call on the name of the Lord and worship him unwaveringly with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Give him all your time. Give him your affection. Give him your adoration and give him your love. And I promise you, he'll bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the life of Elijah. Lord, we praise you for allowing us to learn from these men and women of the Bible, Lord. I believe that, Lord, our instructions today is to, to worship you unwaveringly, to put you first above all else in every aspect of our life. And Lord, I know, I know that you'll take care of everything if we do that first. So I pray that in Jesus' name, and I bind the enemy from any attack that throw at any one of us this morning, Lord, that would cause us to be so distracted that we put you back on the back burner of our life and allowing, instead of allowing you to drive and lead us and guide us by your grace and mercy in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing I want to do, keep your heads down for a second because this is the most important thing we can do here this morning. As some of you in this room might have come and you don't know Jesus or you've walked away from him and you want to renew that relationship with him or develop one today. Because the word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a transaction. It's a thing that you have to do. You can't just think about doing it. You must do it. So how we do it around here is I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to help you invite Jesus in your heart. And how we do it is I want you to raise your hand and let me know who's praying. So if that's you, with all the boldness in your heart, raise your hand right now. I see you. Hands are going up. I see you. Hands are going up. Keep them going. Yes, I see you. And you. And you. I see you. Pray with me. Just hitchhike off my words in your heart. Lord. Forgive me for doing my thing my way without you, Lord. Forgive me for not acknowledging you, that you were God, and that you created this amazing person that I am, Lord. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I pray for these people, Lord, that raise their hand, that you would they would tangibly feel your embrace today. The person that came up that driveway, the person that goes down it, Lord, would be two completely different people because you, Lord, Touch them miraculously by your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Good job.